If you would today, open your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 10. And we're going to pick off, off where we've been leaving off every week. Hebrews chapter 10. I've just got a little introduction here, and then Pastor Jerry's going to take it over for you today and give you some good nuggets. It says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Notice it says to consider one another to stir up love. It doesn't say consider one another in order to stir up grumbling and complaining. Uh, so what he's asking us to do is have a perspective when we look at others of optimism and faith concerning that other person. To not find their fault. Not find their weakness. When you're looking at other people, you have to choose to overlook anything that is not of God. But you have to make a choice for that. Because what happens is when you begin to see weaknesses in other people, you go immediately into comparison mode. And you can't afford to do that when you're assembling together. And you have to understand that God is a master at overlooking your faults and weaknesses and seeing you through the eyes of the spirit of faith and success on your life. God never had a person created in the earth with the intent for them to fail. Never was there a person God intended to have fail. But with every heart he sees, he intends for them to have the very best life filled with goodness, filled with joy, and filled with success for every person. And so when he looks at you, he tends to overlook those things that are in the way of your success, the joy, and the faith that he has for you. Because he's a God of faith. He's a believing God. He's a knowing you God. And the Spirit of the Lord is all the time. He even tells us that we have a cloud of witnesses. Let's say it this way. We have an entourage of cheerleaders that say, you can do it. You can be this. You can make it. You can experience this. God is cheering you on for a victory. God is loosed upon each and every one of us, an anointing for success. Okay? So he says, though, you have to consider one another and to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. You notice one another is not in the original text, but exhorting and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We should have encouragement in our mouth consistently toward one another. Exhorting. You can do this. You can make it. You can conquer that addiction. You can get over that problem. You can get over that weakness. You can get past that offense. You can forgive. You can forget it. You know, one day when we were um, away, I was just walking along, minding my own business in the crowd. And um, the Spirit of the Lord said to me, he said, it is a higher thing when you choose not to remember than when you forget. Because one is a power of your choice. And one is something that was voluntarily done. When you forget. No, 
No, come on, not old age. I'm trying to be younger here in my thinking. <laughs> Hallelujah. But see, when you forget something, you did nothing intentionally. When you forget something, you didn't do anything intentionally. When you choose not to remember someone else's offense toward you, you choose not to remember what they did to you, God says that's a higher thing in my eyes. Because you took your will and said, I choose not to remember how you have wronged me anymore. Hallelujah. And that starts the forgiving power. So, you know, in my little bag of illustrations, I have some things today. Now, you know, this, this is a piece of cord, a single piece of cord. And yet, here is the same cord with multiple strands assembled. Which is stronger, this one or this one? So we can say the assembly is what makes us stronger. Assembly makes us stronger. The things what we're combating in our life, assembly with others that will join with us, make us stronger. We are mightier when we're assembled, right? Pretty simple. Well, I have something else because some people say, well, you always use the same illustrations. So today I have something completely unique. Here is a piece of spaghetti. Very easy to break all over the floor. Hallelujah. But the more you put together, the harder it becomes to break. I can't break it here. You'll have to wait till second service for that. Amen. And that's the way everything in life is. When you find an assembly, when you find a company, when you find a grouping, everything becomes more difficult to break when you're together. Okay, here's the one the Spirit of the Lord gave me today. This is something young people won't even know what it is. It's called a phone book. Young people may not even know what this is. It is a phone book. We used to use these because we didn't know other people's phone numbers. Do you all remember that? Okay. Do you remember John Jacobs and the power team? How many of you remember them? You remember them? And as a test of strength, one of the things they would do is rip phone books. You remember that? Hallelujah. But I want you to know that what this phone book is, is a culmination of many pages. Just like in the last weeks we've talked about the church is a culmination of many individual members. So if the enemy comes to destroy you and you're assembled like this, it's unlikely that he can do it. But what the enemy does is he does this, gets you separated and away, and then what happens, he can do anything he wants to you. Because there's safety and protection from demonic forces in the assembling. There is a safe place in the assembling that there's not when he can take you out and separate you. 
We have to begin to understand the value and the power of the corporate anointing. It empowered us when we were gone this week and heard that there's many out there with the same voice we had. It gave strength to us to know we're not alone fighting this thing. There's people from coast to coast fighting the same way that we're fighting and taking ground the same way we're taking ground and believing God for the same things that we're believing God for. Why? Because in an assembly that's headed the right same direction and headed with the same cause, there is power. There is power in that. And so what we need to understand that the key is stay assembled, stay connected, Don't divide yourself. Don't separate yourself off because you don't want to be the slow zebra when the lions are hunting. You want to be a part of the herd. You think about all the things that they tell us that the herd has advantages of. They've got herd agenda, meaning when there's a whole crowd together with the same thing, they're moving a people the same direction. Have you ever heard of Recently, herd immunity. Okay, they're trying to get the same, the whole herd immune to one thing. See, there's power and ability in assembling that there is not when you're individually by yourself. That's why prayer teams, corporate prayer teams are so effective. Amen? Come on up here, Jerry. And the key is being assembled being connected, being apart. I do not know what we're going to do with the spaghetti before Pastor Jerry speaks. Juan, you got any ideas? One by one, he's going to put it back in the box. Hallelujah. Huh? I know. You better give Juan a hand clap. Don't break it. I need it for the next service. Praise the Lord. Assembly. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord praise, everybody. Hallelujah. And we'll, uh, we're going to uh, look at the same thing in kind of a different angle. This time we're going to go to 1 Peter chapter 2, please. 1 Peter chapter 2. You know what the one zebra said to the other zebra? All I have to do is be faster than you. It's better to stay in the herd. Not be out there wandering by yourself. Come on, somebody. Amen. All right, 1 Peter chapter 2, please. It says this in verse 4 and 5. It says, coming to Him, everybody say approaching God or approaching Him, right? Approach or coming near is what it means. to Come to Him as to a living stone. Amen. Rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones are being built up a spiritual house. Everybody say built up. Built up a spiritual house, a house, or pardon me, a holy priesthood. Amen. In fact, later on he calls you, praise God, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, his holy nation, a peculiar people, praise God. Here he calls you, praise God, a holy priesthood to offer up, here we go, spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Everybody say through Jesus. So we're seeing in this, both these verses, it starts and ends with coming to Him, amen, or through Him, praise God. How many know that uh, coming together is always going to work better when you're going uh, to Him and through Him? 
Let's try that one more time. Amen. How many know coming together is a whole lot easier, amen, when you're coming to Him and going through Him? Amen. Now, you notice it's talking about building up, amen, a spiritual house. Amen. Hallelujah. Building up a spiritual house. That's you and me. Building up a spiritual house. Well, how does He do it? Well, the Word says that just like Him, you're a lively stone. Praise God. In fact, verse 4, he's called the live, a lively stone, amen, but later on he's referred to as the chief cornerstone, amen, the chief cornerstone, the leader, the head, the head man, amen, and in a sense, our example, amen. So in other words, we do what the, the leader stone does, the cornerstone does. We're all lively stones, just like him, we're lively stones, amen, which means alive, come on, which means, amen, with uh, energy, amen, liveliness, praise God. It also means full of life, spirited, praise God. Even enthused is another definition in there for that. Amen. You're a lively stone, praise God. Amen. For whatever it's worth, <clears throat> the only people I ever seem to have problems with are the ones that are alive. Can anybody relate? Now, I'm not saying all live people are a problem. I'm just saying that the ones I ever seem to have a problem with are the ones still breathing. But we don't have any excuse. The Word says we're still supposed to be built together, amen, and being built up as a spiritual house, as a house, amen, a godly house, a godly group, a godly uh, people coming together as one, being united, amen. And this is what it's talking about, praise God. Hallelujah. In fact, last week, did uh, some of you hear when the video was up with uh, talking about the house of God? Anybody? Wow, two of you. Wow, that was a short, amen, praise God, amen. Well, Psalms 122 says that uh, I was glad when they said, let's go up to the house of God. Actually says, come into the house of God. Amen, not just go to it, but come in into the house of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we found out some things last week. Let's just kind of real quick, couple-minute deal here. We were called, uh, you know, this my perspective. I kind of made that clear. I thought I did last week that this is just my perspective. You know, of course, we're taking Scripture out of, you know, uh, uh, out of the Word and, and using it, but it's my opinion. Amen. I feel it's a filling station. Amen. A place for the sustenance of God, the atmosphere of God, the breath of God, right? Uh, a dose of the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. Amen. Uh, as a feeding station where the Word's the priority. It's living and powerful, right? Amen. Come on. That Word of God. Amen. In fact, part of the pastor's job is to feed the sheep. So it, I always feel like the Word should be a priority. It should be a feeding station. I found out it was, or I, I like to look at it as a decontamination station. Amen. Where you're cleansed from all the wor worldly pull, the temptation, the negative environment that you're in every day, all through the week. And the more you're out there, the more it gets on you, amen, the more you might find yourself dragging into the house of God to get decontaminated, come on now, uh, as an anointing station where the worship and the presence of God, where burdens are removed, yokes of bondage are destroyed, this is why the house of God's important, amen. It's a healing station where there's prayer, you're, you create an atmosphere that's conducive for God to move, doing signs, wonders, and miracles. And I think I might even have touched on a little bit last week where it's there to bring wholeness in every realm, spirit, soul, body, amen, every realm, socially, financially, amen, uh, the mind, the, the emotions, all that. God wants to bring healing in every area. 
So it's a healing station, a true fellowship station, amen, where things are assembled, we're connected, praise God, stirring up, as the verse said earlier, stirring up love and good works, praise God. The corporate anointing begins to happen in, a, in the house of God. But the thing I left with last week, and that was this, that it's an adjustment station. You can't come to the house of God without being adjusted. I mean, if, do, if you're going to do this right, you're going to come to the house of God and do this thing right. You're going, to get, you're going to find yourself being adjusted once in a while. And that's about how much enthusiasm I figured I'd get. <laughs> Amen. Because that's probably the thing that most people have a struggle with. Are you still hearing me today? Amen. Now, the, mo- the majority of adjustments happen alongside one another. Most adjustments that happen in our life isn't just because of the, the, the word being taught or just because of maybe an anointing during praise and worship. A lot of times adjustments happen in our life because we're rubbing elbows with people. And that's why most people, you know, uh, uh, avoid the house of God because I don't want to be around people. Why not? Well, I don't like people. Well, maybe they don't like you. Well, what would I ever do to them? Well, it doesn't matter. See, that's the thing about people. We come together. Amen. That's what it's about. Now, whether you know this or not, but people are God's highest commodity, His highest commodity above anything else. Amen. Everything He did, He did for you and me. Amen. To make a way for you and me. Are you still with me? So this script, this text back here in 1 Peter says that we're called to come together as living stones alongside one another. But see, that's the challenge. To be built up a spiritual house, that's a challenge because we have to come together. And I'm not trying to bring any kind of negative on, on, on lively stones or lively people, but we're not, it's not our heart. Our heart is this, that you know it as well as I do. Some of the best things that happen in the house of God is people. Some of the worst things that happens in the house of God is people. Some of the most positive things that happen in the house of God is things that happen to the people. Some of the most negative things that happen in the house of God is what happens through people. You can't get around from it. You can't get away from it. Somebody says, I'm going to go find a perfect church. Good luck. Because as soon as you leave here and go there, I'm just saying. See, we all have our, 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 our imperfections. We all have our ways. We all have, our, in a sense, our things to deal with, our demons to fight. Come on, somebody. That's why we're here. That's why we're, we, we work together. That's why we're called to come together. And help each other overcome things, beat things, do things as a corporate uh, gathering, do things under a corporate anointing to see things happen, push back darkness, amen, as we come together, not just for the individual, but as for a whole body, for a community, praise God, and beyond. Still with me? This is how this thing works, praise God. Now, if you go back uh, into verse... uh, Five, it says, you also as lively stones. I just, you notice it says, you also as lively stones. Well, see, he's a living stone. But you notice it said to this, it said that he, in verse 4, he's a lively stone rejected indeed by men, but chosen or selected, amen, elected. Literally means favored by God. Literally means to be a favorite. Come on, that's going to come up here in a little bit here. Amen. Uh, By God and is precious or valued. How many believe that for Jesus? Okay, but you know in verse 5, you also as living stones. not just talking the fact that you're just a living stone. He says sometimes you're going to be rejected by men. 
Well, I don't want to be rejected. Sometimes it's, it's going to happen because not everybody's going to agree with everything. Not everybody's going to, uh, you know, agree when you make a decision to move forward in Christ. Not everybody's going to jump on the bandwagon and say, good job, I'm with you. That's one of the reasons you got to come to the house and come into that true fellowship station where you got people of like faith. That's why it's so important. Are you still with me? It says that here that you also as living stones. In other words, even those that amen, are rejected by men and chosen, you're chosen by God. You're elected, selected, praise God. You're a favored one, a favorite of God. Look at your neighbor and say, it's good to be a favorite. I'd like to be the favorite of somebody. Come on, somebody. I'm glad that I'm one of his favorites. Come on, somebody. And precious in his sight. Okay, valued. Now, the point I'm just trying to make is you also, as living stones. See, all this still works. The same thing that was on Christ is now on you. Amen. You have what it takes. Even though there are some that may reject you, some that are for you, some that may say, I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm uh, agreement with what you're doing, and some that may say, I'm in disagreement with what you're doing. All we know is that in Him, I'm chosen, I'm favored, praise God, I'm precious. And so as a living stone, I'm going to come together. But here's the thing. That guy next to you or that gal next to you is also favored. Is also precious. That guy in the row on the, over there that you have a little struggle with, don't point. Anyway, they also, amen, have been rejected by men, maybe even by you. But they are favored, chosen, hallelujah, favored of God and precious in His sight. And that's one that you probably have to be built up next to. Years ago, I mean, it's just my own little thing. I, I, it probably doesn't mean anything. But, you know, one time I, the thought came to me that this person I was struggling with, that they could literally have the home next to me in heaven. That was a very bad thought. <laughs> and I thought, I better get over this because that ain't good. Because God might just deliberately put him right next to me. I said, well, you didn't get over it there, so let's see if you can do it here. And one other time I saw him, you know, at the marriage supper of the Lamb, they might be the ones sitting next to you saying, pass the taters. Point is this, you better just get over it right now while you have an opportunity. It isn't worth holding ought and, and uh, you know, problems. You know, I always share my illustration, you know, early on, one of the first years of, of pastoring, you know, I've been several years of youth ministry, but into my first uh, couple few years of, of pastoring, um, there was an individual, a gal in my church, I just, I, every time she come around, I wanted to spit. Just her way she was. It just rubbed me wrong every time. And I think she deliberately tried to ruin my day. And I just thought, you know, I just don't know. God, can't you like move her to another church or something? Because obviously it's her fault. God says, you know, if you'd pray for her, you might not have this problem. So he encouraged me to start lifting her up specifically. So every day I started doing that because he asked me to. At first, I kind of cringed. 
Now listen, I might as well be up, up front and honest with you. Some of you, you know, come on, you know what I'm talking about. You might have the same similar kind of situation. And I'm just, let me help you here. It works better when you pray for them. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God began to show me some things about that individual's life. And all of a sudden, I had a whole new appreciation for that individual. All of a sudden, I found myself actually loving that individual and grateful to see him and grateful to pray for him. Now, just think about this. Some of you look at me like, Pastor, I can't believe you have all these issues. Think about all the ones nobody else talks about. Now, I'm just saying I don't have a problem admitting it because I got delivered from it. I'm not saying I've had an issue since then. I'm just saying that those particular ones I've talked about, I've got a, I've got a deliverance, praise the Lord. Look at your neighbor and say, praise God, he's getting better every day. <laughs> but if you go back down here into verse 5 now, let's look at this thing. It says, you're built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. Here we go, to offer up. To offer up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable or approved or favorable to God through Jesus Christ. To offer up spiritual sacrifices. So, you know, you look that up. What does that mean, you know? Well, it's talking about the act of doing godly deeds or actually even, so it's talking about, you know, doing sacrificial things, right? So the act of doing godly deeds, or here we go, the other definition is the victim of the sacrifice. You think, well, that don't sound pretty. But it's talking about that's who you are. That we're, we're either, amen, we're either offering up sacrificial things that are pleasing unto God, amen, that are favorable unto God, things that we do, sacrificial things that we do maybe for one another and also at times by laying our own life down. That's what it's talking about. Because sometimes, you know as well as I do, there are some things, sometimes you lay your life down and maybe it never even got noticed or maybe it got abused or, or overlooked or, or whatever. It happens. But you notice it's still in the same context. Jesus knew that the 12 were going to betray him. He sent her ministering, breaking bread with men that he knew within the hour or two, you are going to run like little scared girls. Nothing wrong with little scared girls. Just saying. And breaking bread with one that he knows was even going to betray him, come on, for money. And yet, he was there to assemble, to help, to benefit, to build up, to do things, and to be things for them and all mankind. Has anybody ever stopped and thought about that? Not one. Not even Peter and John. Not one of them stood by. They all tucked tail and ran. And yet he still went through. He said he could have called down legions of angels. Wouldn't that have been a sight? But that would have been a bummer for you and me. Are you still hearing me? Are you, are you okay? Come on now. Go with me to Colossians 3. And let's look at this from another angle, because the thing that I want to bring out today, as Trudy brought out, you know, about coming together, 
you know, it's not always easy. It's not always easy to come together. And, um, you know, you'd like to, you know, as a pastor, just say, you know, all, all sheep are blue ribbon sheep. Well, you know, that's a lie. Some sheep literally are just ornery. And uh, they, they kick and they fight and they fuss. Come on. They hang out outside the fence and look at you and stick their tongue out at you. They want to eat somewhere else and eat something else. Come on. It happens. And you might think oh, this is a message that's down on sheep. That's not my message. I've raised sheep. Believe me, there ain't nothing easy about sheep. Anyway, but I'm, I'm not against sheep or people for that matter. But I'm just trying to say that it, when God's calling us together, He knows that to unite and to build together, amen, to, to unite in the sense of, of uh, you know, coming together, being assembled, there isn't nothing easy about it. He's aware of that. We have personal uh, uh, opinions. We have personal conflicts. We have personal agendas. We have personal opinions. Come on, on. Did I say that once? Mm. Preferences, another one. Amen. Everybody has their own personalities. And sometimes our personalities can rub a little bit. We're talking about iron sharpening iron. Why is that? Because it does. It takes iron to sharpen iron. Are you still with me? And it's just the facts. So nothing about it's super easy. Verse 12 of Colossians 3, please, it says this, Therefore, as the elect of God, there's that same word, the chosen, it's the exact same word as we read there in 1 Peter, chosen, elect, come on, somebody, praise God, uh, favorite, amen. Look at your neighbor and say, you're God's favorite, amen. See, you're all part of that thing. You're God's favorite, amen. That doesn't mean it takes away the fact that you might, you might have your, your ups, your downs, your ins, your outs, your struggles once in a while. Amen. But in God's eyes, that's how he sees you. You're precious in his eyes. And so is that person sitting next to you, the person sitting in front of you, the person on the other side of the building. Come on, somebody. That person maybe, uh, you know, is going to come on second service and whatever. The point is this. Amen. The price has been paid for all mankind. Therefore, as the elect of God, here we go, holy, which just means, uh, you know, morally blameless, consecrated, uh, holy and beloved. That word actually is the word agape, which means a committed love. Okay, and then there's a dedication or a commitment. Okay, so how many know it's going to take some commitment to do this? It will, all right. But he said here, put on something, right? Now, you know, prior to this, he was talking about putting on the new man, taking off the old man, because that's really what the, the, this life in God, because it's a life of adjustments that get made. There's adjustments that get made. You come into the house of God, there's going to be times you're pulling off certain things, putting on certain things. Working alongside people, amen, working, serving. Come on, there's so many different ways of that. You got everything from intercession to VBSs to CR to, and we can go on and on and on. The staff, we got people that serve at the doors, people that, that help, uh, that wear red jackets, praise God, making sure you have your envelope and make sure you don't fall, hit the ground when you're being prayed for. 
people running cameras, people putting things together so we can go out there in the airways and the byways and highways or whatever, praise God. We can go on and on and on of what it takes. People in the, in the next room teaching our kids. People that make it happen. And if it wasn't for assembling, if it wasn't for people coming together to be built up together as a spiritual house, none of this would work. We might as well all go home. But the problem is you could all go home because some people choose to do that. The problem is this with that. You're going to be accountable for that. Because no matter how we look or feel, no matter what the ups and downs, no matter what was said, who's with you, who ain't, you still, by God, are called to unite. To assemble, to be built up together. You will never get away from that. No matter how you think you're going to try to, you know, put the scriptures together and make it say what you want it to say. That people say, well, you know, that's a letter to the church, and as a, I'm part of the overall church, but you forget when this letter was wrote, it was wrote to a specific church. It was then later giving to all of us, amen, hallelujah, wherever you're at in your church. Okay? The church of Colossae, we got Galatian, you know, we got Ephesus, we've got Thessalonica, we got all these letters. Even when you get into Revelation, it talks about all the letters that were written to the seven churches, all that was said. Come on, somebody. The point is you can't get away from it. You can somehow say, well, I'm part of the body and I'm out here doing my own thing. It never works. And you'll never convince God of that. It's still, we are called to a house because it takes people that are coming together, built together, connected together, assembled together, that work certain things that only that can work in you and me. I can't say enough, uh, preach enough sermons. We can't sing enough songs. Some things only get worked in us by the rubbing elbows of one another, iron sharpening iron. It's the only way it is. And that's why a lot of people don't like it, because I don't want them to see me this way, or I don't want to see them that way. And that's what makes it sometimes complicated. The elect of God, holy and beloved, put on, here we go, tender mercies. Amen. Tender-hearted, compassion. Come on, right? Kindness, which is gentleness. Come on. Who'd have thought you have to be told to be kind? But sometimes you do. Come on. And, it, of course, you know, you know what, what may be your uh, hard part is not the next guy's hard part. But what may be your easy part might be the next guy's hard part. Now hang on to that because that same person, even though they struggle in something different than you struggle in, they're still before God as a lively stone called of God, amen, a favorite of God, praise God, somebody precious in the sight of God. Can I hear a big amen? Okay, humility, which really just... Uh, it means modesty or humbleness of mind. If you look it up, it means humbleness of mind, which really bottom line says the uh, no me, myself, and I syndrome. You can, some of you are going to have to lose that. 
right? Now, that doesn't mean that you don't count. Because that's the danger. Because sometimes based on fear and things, we think, well, if I do that, they're just going to overrun me. Or they're going to abuse me or take advantage of me. Because, and it could be based on something that's happened in your past. could very well be. And we're not making light of anybody's situation. We're just saying, regardless of what you came through and what you're going through, nobody is exempt from this. We're all called to come together and work through these things. Thank you for all that enthusiasm. Meekness, next word, amen. If you really break meekness down, it's a form of humility, but it literally refers to having a teachable spirit. And meekness is not weakness. It's just being teachable, having a spirit that could learn something, that's willing to make adjustments. Are you still with me? Long-suffering. Okay, this is kind of where I'm trying to get to here a little bit. Long-suffering, okay? Forbearance, fortitude, patient endurance, all right? Now, I believe verse 13, personally, just my opinion, verse 13 is doing its best to define long-suffering. That's just my opinion, okay? Regardless, it's part of the word, okay? So the point is this. Okay, what does it mean to be long-suffering? Because this is kind of what it comes down to. You know, we have to work with each other. Come on. Sometimes I'm not that easy to work with. Okay? Sometimes you get a you have a way of doing things and not everybody necessarily is gelling with you, man. Well, anyway. As I said earlier, everybody has their struggles, their pressures, their demons to deal with. Come on now. And I've learned this. This is kind of one of those statements I wanted to make today. That we always or pardon me, there's always more to the story than you think you know. I literally have to get that statement out today. There's always, so that's a God thing right there. Come on. There's always. Everybody say always. There's always more to the story than you think you know. There's always something else going on that maybe you don't know. Something just happened. There was a misunderstanding. Somebody did something. There was a mistake made. They tripped up, whatever. Something happened yesterday, yesteryear, yesterdecade. But there's always more to the story than you think you know. That's why it never pays to be judgmental or critical or short with people, but yet long-suffering. Have you ever, that word just doesn't even seem appealing to me. Anything with the word suffering in it, there's nothing appealing about that. But see, this is part of that, of that spiritual sacrifice that you're sowing that's pleasing unto God because sometimes it's about you, you know, being willing to give 
of your, you know, actions and your energies, your efforts toward sowing sacrificially as well as at times laying yourself down on the altar, so to speak. There's nothing, you know, you can't really get much more graphic than that. But sometimes that's the case. But in the end, you have to understand, is how God not only looks at them, but how God looks at you. You're still God's favored and precious. And even at that moment, you might think, I don't feel so precious. But you have to understand with faith in God, no matter how much you've laid down, you have a God that knows it, understands it, and is there for you, praise God. Can I hear a big amen? Praise the Lord. Now, I didn't say that you turn around and abuse your neighbor. Yeah, be more long-suffering. No, we need to make some adjustments, obviously. Come on, somebody. Are you hearing me? We're talking about, praise God, we all have to be this way. Amen. Verse 13, then, what is it about? Bearing with one another, forgiving one another, uh, not having a complaint against another. You think there's a a theme here? Trudy was reading that out of of Hebrews too. Uh, One another. There's, There's a theme here. It's about one another. So you can't, you can't, you can't scripturally live this verse without another. And he's not talking about your spouse only. I heard some of you. We're talking about, amen, we're talking about coming together as people. There are moments where there's going to be long suffering, where there's going to be people who have to bear with one another. Well, sometimes, you know what? You just got to sow the do-good seed. Sometimes you just got to sow that selfless seed. And every seed you sow produces something. We, that's either going to be good or that's going to be bad, right? Come on now. It's either going to be blessing or the curse. It's either going to be life or death. Come on, somebody. But what you sow, you reap. Well, I, I would rather, I'd rather sow mercy because I love it when you give me mercy. I don't like it when you're... You're not merciful with me. Come on, somebody. And probably have done a few things that maybe, you know, whatever. Attitudes, whatever, words said, whatever. But the point is this. I like it when people are more merciful to me. So I've found it's always better to sow that kind of seed. It just has better dividends. Can I hear a big amen? Bearing with one another. The word it literally means to uh, to bear up, to hold up uh, one, uh, to be supportive. Okay, Hallelujah. Well, think about somebody that needs supported, or to be supportive of somebody. Does that mean they got all their life all in order? Use that would to me would mean that there's probably something they need help or supported in. So part of this is going to have to be, you're going to have to be supportive of one another. That doesn't mean you agree with all their actions. That doesn't mean you have to agree with their philosophies. That doesn't mean you have to agree with their opinions or their evil acts. Come on, somebody. It's not what it's doing, but what it's saying is somewhere along the line, you have to choose the higher road and say, I choose to be supportive 
I'll grab that area that I can be supplying. I'm going to connect and do my part to help support them, amen, to move them forward. And hopefully by doing this, some other things begin to shift and change. Praise the Lord. Is anybody with me? And I'm not mad, by the way. I'm just, you know, somebody think, man, he's really beating on sheep today. But are you here with me? Okay, I'm just saying this, how this thing works. Forgiving one another. Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding me? The, the word forgiving, to grant as a favor, to pardon, to rescue, deliver, uh, to deliver another, freely give. Huh. You think, wow, that's a, that's a lot said. Well, that's also about sowing seed. We know scripturally, if you won't forgive, that ain't good for you. I don't think we need to go to all them verses, right? Okay, so we know that somewhere along the line, see, it isn't always going to be easy. You think about people that have been through things, okay? Some of you have, been, have had your feelings hurt. You've been offended. You've been hurt. Well, join the club. We've all been there. Okay, we're not justifying anything. We're not, we're, uh, you, you all know my story about how I got, the Spirit of God says you have offense in your heart that held up a healing in my, my that one thing, it held healing in my body. Well, you have offense. You have ought is actually how the word he used. You have ought in your heart. And I knew what he meant. But I, I couldn't think until he started literally listing names. And I realized, oh, my God. Remember what Trudy talked about earlier about, it, it's, it's not just to forget, but the choice of your own will to, come on, huh, to forgive. Okay, to release somebody. Well, I had forgot a bunch of things. And all of a sudden, he brought them to my remembrance. You think, oh my gosh, you know, with God, yeah, well, he, you got problem. This thing is a problem that needs to be released. So release, release, release. And you know the end of the story. I got my deliverance. I got breakthrough, instantaneous healing by just releasing, amen, some people from the offense that I had with them. Is anybody hearing me today? Listen, you can't come to the house of God and do it right and not be a change or not be adjusted. It ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. And you're not going to come to the house of God without once in a while getting your feelings hurt. And you're not going to come to the house of God and once in a while get offended. It ain't going to happen. So he says, Pastor, I you're making church look so... Listen, if you're buffaloed enough to think that being around people is going to create certain kind of feelings and emotions that maybe sometimes you don't like, somewhere we got to wake up and go, that's exactly what happens because everybody coming in the door needs help. You included. We all need God working and adjusting our lives. Sometimes we're too rigid. Sometimes we're too loose. Sometimes we're too opinionated. Sometimes we don't say anything and just let it all internally mess you up. If anyone has a complaint, oh my gosh, he just this verse here just slaps the fire out of you, doesn't it? A complaint against another. Even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. A complaint. Everybody, anybody ever a complaint? You know, nowhere in here does he said that you will never have a complaint. 
Nowhere in here does it say you, you shalt thou never have a complaint. It just says when you have a complaint, it's better to release it, forgive, and move forward. Because there are things that you may not appreciate or things that may happen that you may not agree with. But somewhere along the line, if we're going to unite, we've got to get these kind of things, amen, okay in our own, uh, you know, our own mind, okay within, praise God. Because if we're going to be the lively stone that's going to be built up, a spiritual house, one stone coming up against another stone, working together, building up what God wants to do, the only way this is going to happen is a verse like this has to get worked in us. But I will say this. I said it earlier. I will say it again. It is very clear through these references I've been reading, that he had never asked anybody to do this in their own strength. He said, coming unto him, working through him, when you do that, it's doable. When you don't, believe me, about a week out, we're done. Now let's just wrap it up. Somebody said, praise the Lord. Verse 14, but above all these things put on love. That word there, love, is the agape love, right? Charity. Okay, God is agape. But the reason that's worded here is because it's an unconditional giving of love. Okay, that's what makes it God kind of love is because it's unconditional. It's the giving of. God's a giver and He's unconditional. His love for you is unconditional. Isn't that good? So he says that you have to put that kind of thing on if this is going to work. He says he literally calls it the bond of perfection. Amen. Uh, the, the word here, uh, bond, means uh, something tied together, even as a, like a ligament, uh, a link, a uniting principle. But it refers to, uh, in the sense of something that can help bring control, literally means by keeping things in a right thing. So we're talking about putting on love. He's talking about it becomes this, this thing that begins to bring perfection into our midst. It connects us to a thing of perfection. Because the only way it's going to happen is if we're, we're working this thing like it is. See, the only way that's going to happen is if this is happening, right, like it says in this verse. So if we put on that love, that charity, that unconditional love, then we can move to a thing called completion, or com is that what it says here? Perfection, pardon me, which means completion or completeness, okay? But it refers to, amen, uh, completeness in the sense of mentally, morally, spiritually, talking about one's individual character. In other words, what, what begins to work things in people's lives is when we put this on and do it. And, and so we're thinking about what, in this whole thing here, this could probably be a sermon in itself, but I'm just saying this, okay, that when we choose to do this, so, amen, the, the, uh, uh, the seeds of, of this, this, uh, this spiritual... Um, uh, sacrificial seed of loving people regardless, long-suffering, bearing with one another. And when we do that, we put on love, we allow now God to move to bring this thing that begins to perfect each individual. Sometimes that's all it takes. Well, that guy's a stinker. That woman, man, she has issues. Well, you know, maybe if we would connect Maybe God could begin to prefer, perfect that individual and bring healing. Because maybe that's all it needs. Maybe nobody has ever done that for that individual. 
Remember, there's always more to the story than even you thought you knew. Let the peace of God rule. See, remember, this is all connected. See, this is all concerning coming together with one another. Let the peace of God now rule, govern and lead here in your hearts, to which also you are called in, here we go, one, oh my gosh, one body, and be thankful, be appreciative. See, he's not getting away from the subject. But he says now, see, not only do you have the bond of perfection coming, you now have the peace of God on the scene. Completeness and wholeness literally means to bring back into divine order. Amen. The word talks about bringing everything uh, back in where chaos has to leave, where order comes in place of chaos. So when you begin to do these things, you're giving God not only room to bring healing, but all of a sudden all the chaos now has to bow the knee. It's just getting people to connect. But most people run. I don't want to deal with that. I'm out of here. Listen, one day you're going to be accountable for it. I'm not taking away your salvation. Is this too firm? Am I being too hard? My wife's going, "Eh, maybe a little bit. We got to understand that that you don't just get to choose and pick and run and and think, you know, I'm not going to do any of that. It's too bad. Because there are probably some things need worked in you. Well, I don't want nothing worked in me. Well, that's obvious. But we all need something worked in us. I thought by the time I got to be a pastor, I thought, I've got to be pretty close to being perfect. <laughs> that was a lie. I found, I found he was working on me. It always seemed to me I was the only one he was working on. I thought, why don't you work on them people? But I found anytime you want to move forward in God and you want to connect, God's always going to, He's always working on all of us, doing things, adjusting things, growing us up, maturing us, praise God. Verse 6, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. That word, word, we, you know, a lot of times we'll say, well, let's talk about the word itself, and it doesn't exclude that. The word there is logos, which means uh, something spoken or uttered. So sometimes God talks to you about things. So it also includes that, right? So let that kind of thing work in you. Then it says, teaching and admonishing, here we go again, one another. It doesn't get off of it. So doing whatever it takes, encouraging, teaching, whatever it takes to help somebody in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I mean, if you can get her done with a song, hallelujah. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Praise ye the Lord. Just do it as unto God. If you can't do it for any other reason, I'm going to do it for Him. I mean, He did it for me. Oh, my gosh. He saved my soul. Oh, my gosh. You knew where I came from. Oh, my gosh. And He allowed me to preach. Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding me? I still got people back home going, are you kidding me? How did that happen? So sometimes we just do it as unto the Lord. 
And watch what God does with that individual, what God does with that group, what God does with that people, what God does with that church. Mercy. But isn't it good that it wraps it up giving thanks? Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Giving thanks to God the Father through Him. You notice it's still through Him. Amen. One translation says, thanking God the Father every step of the way. Because, see, it's always moving to Him and moving through Him that makes it all work. Amen. And if you do that and keep doing that, it really isn't all that difficult to connect with one another. Amen. And to watch God do something supernatural. Amen. Did you get something today? Give the Lord praise, everybody. Hallelujah. Why don't you all stand up? Let me pray over you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, I give you praise and glory. Oh, hallelujah. Thankful for your word today. Thankful for these principles. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us together as one, growing us up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, God, uniting us. Hallelujah for such a time as this. Father, we're thankful. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, praise the Lord. We're thankful that what you began, you are finishing. We're thankful. Hallelujah for what you're about to do in our midst. We're thankful. Hallelujah for an atmosphere that's conducive for you to move. For your goodness and your glory and your power. Hallelujah for signs, wonders, and miracles. Praise God. That, Lord, regardless of the issues, regardless of the struggles, regardless of the, the past, regardless, hallelujah, we unite, hallelujah, we see you, hallelujah, showing yourself strong on our behalf, hallelujah, where the peace of God comes on the scene, praise God, hallelujah, where perfection begins to manifest on behalf Hallelujah, families and marriages and uh, people of God. Hallelujah, Father, we give you the praise and we give you glory for all that you've done, all that you're doing, and for all you're about to do in their life. For that we give you the praise. For that we give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Look at your neighbor and say, you made it through that one. Praise the Lord. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch the video of this message, head over to vimeo.com forward slash WO Victory or go to Jerry Roberts Ministry on Roku. For more information about who we are and what we do here at Order Victory, check out the website at wovictory.org. That's wovictory.org. See you there.